only need me. Welcome back to Queer Horror Cult. Yeah, woe is you, you're stuck with us for another week. I hope they don't feel stuck. <laughs> no, I hope you're actually excited to be back. It'd be really weird if you were bummed about it, yet you downloaded this anyway. You hit subscribe, sadly, and you're like, well, now I have to now have I'm in. notifications once a week for the foreseeable future about this podcast i hate these two doofuses that run it it's, fucking it's, hate their guts it's funny that you say that because um well i don't i'm not subscribed to podcasts that i hate there are some <laughs> podcasts that it comes up like it's like new episode and i'm just thinking like why am i subscribed to this <laughs> <laughs> i'll even get uh, the podcast app it'll ask me like you haven't listened to this one in a while are you sure you still want to be subscribed i'm like it's my own podcast of course <laughs> i want to be subscribed <laughs> oh jesus yeah Although I guess it would be interesting if you were super keener and like listen to every episode we recorded as soon as it dropped. It'd be like, um, I'd be and like, aren't unless, you sick of hearing yourself talk? Unless it's like I'm working a Wednesday and I have a lot of like files to close or something, then I'll, I'll put on a podcast. Sometimes hours if I haven't heard it in a few weeks because you do all the sound editing, so you That's get to true. you get to listen to it. I only listen to it as we're recording it usually. That is true. So that is true. While, By the time an episode goes out, I have well yeah. heard it. Whereas I haven't, so every once, yeah. every once in a while I'll go back and hear, listen to one from like a month ago and be like, oh, we made some good points. You're just like, oh, I can't believe how much of a fascist I was a month ago. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, so this is, uh, we're still surviving in Alberta, which is pretty mm. working out well for us. I mean, nothing real major to report since we last recorded about a week ago. Fortunately, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's good. Anything super exciting? Are cool going on in your world right now? No. No? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> There's just no period. Yeah, well then, let's not uh, drag this out any longer than it needs to, and let's just dive right in. This week, we are talking cannibalism. Corpse eating. We, you all know we, we love to talk about corpse fucking, but now is the uh, other side of that coin. Mm-hmm. And this idea of consuming, and we'll get into it. Hey, and I'd say in some of these movies, they're not even corpses when they start eating them. Mm, that's true. Yeah, don't gotta be dead to get cannibalized. This is, yep, that's 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 a very good point. So is that like level 11 necrophiliac, where it's like, not only will you kill to acquire a dead body, but you'll start fucking with the body before it's been vacated by its owner? I think that makes it decidedly not necrophilia if they're but alive. If, yeah, I guess I, I'm collapsing cannibalism and necrophilia, even though they do not necessarily deserve to be collapsed. Yeah, how dare you? Other than the very narrow sliver of that Venn diagram that overlaps, <laughs> you know, you've got them going like, how dare you compare me well, to the I'll other side? Corpse, I won't fucking eat it. That's disgusting. Uh, I'll shove it in my mouth hole, and but it's not going inside my butt or my front butt or anything. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you really got your um, finger on the pulse of the cannibal me, community. But not inside me, if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> this, this took a turn. Um, where do you want to begin with this topic? Um, well, a lot of, not a lot of, I guess this is the first couple, maybe movies, kind of explore this introduce this broader theme of cannibalism as this primitive practice that's usually associated with so-called uncivilized mm-hmm. people. So by, mm-hmm. by which they mean like uncontacted tribes in various parts of the world, be it South America or like um, like Pacific Islands, yeah. various places that are unknown to us. And um, yeah, just projecting these sort of notions onto them about what they're like and and... She's trying to climb out the guitar. <laughs> she's trying to climb up the shelf and so she played the guitar. She's trying to play the guitar. Our cat is trying to play the bass. Anyway. So cannibalism is usually seen as this very very othered thing that yes. we, we don't practice this because we are civilized and we know yeah. better and this is an atrocity and how could any humans do this? Well, across the board, I'd say that cannibalism's othered, but yeah, it is a very particular. Like yeah, but you it, said, it, it's it's yeah, it's, it's very much like in that Western superiority. Yeah, it's, it's this very quotes. like Orientalist yeah, kind of yeah. gaze that yeah it looks with like revulsion, but also fascination. That like it's like this is disgusting. This is so beneath us civilized people, but we we need to know more. We can't look away. We need. To know more about this and how these, you know, pe- what we call savages or uncivilized, mm-hmm. you know, whatever words they use in these various movies, people like, how could they do this? How how do they not? How are they not operating from the same like ontologies and ethical frameworks that we are? And given that they aren't, or how does what we project onto them give us certain perceptions of them that wouldn't be there if we were in that context? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Like, you know, obviously, I mean, it, it depends. Like, I think historically, sometimes cannibalism could be seen. You know, there there are, there were times where it was sort of this ultimate act of, like, domination, where not only would I kill my enemy, but I'd fucking eat his body. Yeah. To, like, all, you know, because I not only, not only have I taken his life, but I am consuming him like he's no better than a, some animal I killed or something. So it's just just extra step of, like domination or whatever you want to call it but then you also have um like traditional rituals that that's part of mourning and like dealing with the dead right would be um consuming certain parts of their bodies Mm -hmm. so it yeah it it, and and this is just exactly we you know i think in our corpse fucking episode we talked about that victorian cannibalism and using various body parts as part of like medicine right right like but it wasn't wasn't coded as cannibalism let's eat some mummy powder yeah do a lined mummy powder yeah or um you'll see some cannibalism by necessity like uh for example a you know skiing expedition or some some expedition goes out and they get trapped in an avalanche well you got that movie where um the uh soccer team the football team crashes in the, yeah. in the andes and they eat each other that yeah, was yeah. it called alive i think maybe i, I remember reading a, re- a real case kind of thing where that happened and who knows i think that's what the movie was based on i was on. gonna say yeah. probably would be and how um it was kind of just this unspoken thing like i think i remember one of the survivors like saying that you know it kind of did come up but when they were just nobody really said anything they all just kind of knew and accepted it because it's like well it was out of circumstance you had mm-hmm. to survive you didn't kill them but you made use of what you have and 
we can integrate you back into society no problem yeah because you did what you had to do kind of thing the rules are different out in the wilderness and yeah survival so which i don't think is a bad thing like if somebody goes through a tragedy like that and you're like oh sorry we can't welcome you back because you've tasted human flesh yeah like i think that'd be weirdly arbitrary but anyway yeah movies so movies um the first movie we watched i definitely want to give a bit of background to because this is sadly in a bit of my area of cinematic (laughs) expertise go for it um but we watched 1980s cannibal holocaust yeah we started with a bang uh you may you may have guessed this was coming up if you follow us on instagram as we teased it on our insta story at one point but yeah we're doing an episode on cannibalism what else are we gonna start with right yeah we have to include it yeah, for sure. This movie came out of the one of the weirder. <laughs> why did this become a subgenre? Subgenres uh, from Italian horror cinema from the late mid to late seventies, uh, ending in sort of the early eighties. There's mm-hmm. just like a dozen or so films that follow this pattern, and they are fucked up movies. But it's the Italian cannibal craze, and these are they all or pr- essentially all follow this this pattern of some kind of expedition or some kind of like white person group of white people go out into the jungle and it's are a bes- faraway place this is yep. a jungle not within the european continent of course this is yes. south america this is i could see i don't know i'm guessing there's some in africa which is like if you look at movies like cannibal terror it's like oh yes this is in the jungle when it's clearly just like the fucking woods in southern france and all the cannibals <laughs> are just like white dudes with sideburns and mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. um not all of them were quote unquote authentic um <laughs> but yeah so there's this super colonial eye to these movies mm-hmm. um the plots always have to do with uns- the, the sorry the civilized white man mm-hmm. coming up against the uncivilized savages that's always portrayed in this and these are just uh various indigenous cultures that get as little respect as you would expect in these kind of movies and very little nuance and yeah very, yeah and these movies are marked by being really envelope pushing like they are excessively violent uh very misanthropic and the very regrettable thing that is like a common thread through all these movies is it utilize they utilize um actual animal violence mm-hmm. just to up the shock value it's like oh, okay we want to make this movie shocking as possible let's find some animals and slaughter them on film mm-hmm. for real and so animals were harmed in the making yeah. of these films very much yeah very many animals and so that right there is kind of enough to sort of put the kibosh on this as a genre for me, mm-hmm. despite the fact that I have seen so many of them. <laughs> and did this this subgenre, um, correct me if I'm wrong, did it come out of the Mondo? It's no, or is defin- Cannibal Holocaust did? Uh, Cannibal Holocaust is more of a direct comment on the Mondo right. sort of filmmaking, which but is, yeah, yeah, which this we can get to because definitely it's is right. sort of a natural progression from those Mondo films. Mm-hmm. The Mondo film. Uh, it's cool that you brought that up. They were these quote-unquote documentaries that were being made in Italy that were trying to show the extreme, wild, outrageous world in which we live. Like, Mondo means world, so yeah. this, this idea of this world outside. Yeah, the of- title comes from Mondo Cane, which uh, translates to It's a Dog's World. Like, that was the rough translation mm-hmm. there. Um, and so the Mondo movie, or the world movie... They were just these fucked up documentaries that tried to show it as it is, but really it was all about sensationalism and orientalism and all this kind of garbage Projecting approach. Projecting yeah. shit onto 
foreign people who don't know any better. Yeah, like... And are just being roped in to be like, yeah, this random indigenous tribe, oh yeah, they're cannibals now. Yeah, And they also it, like to, like, do all this terrible shit. It says something that most of what you get of the unsavory content is animal violence because it's like looking how look at how these savages hunt with no care for the world and that's how it's always framed when it's like a we eat meat in our societies so we do this we stuff too don't we have just, to see it be killed yeah. because it's done behind a slaughterhouse door is that we live very very far away from in our urban centers yeah but without the the auspice of factory farming it's suddenly a savage mm -hmm. uncultured kind of thing to do and, and it's really fucked up in a contemporary way like with all these white supremacist backlashes against like halal meat mm -hmm. especially you see that too where people who could not they're not vegan they could not care less about animal welfare, about the environment, about anything, but they mobilize this, like, look at how cruel these this slaughtering process is in order to push their agenda. Yeah, you, you, hear, you hear the same with koshering as it's well. Totally, exactly, because um, they're very, very similar processes. Yeah, and it's one of those things that it's like, yeah, sure, make a case that it can be seen as animal cruelty, but only if you think all meat yeah, killing all animals. rendering is animal because cruelty because like, yeah, there's a lot of blood a cow for example it's a very big animal it has a lot of blood in it but that, that's just it the throat, yeah the blood's gonna come out they don't look at it as well i mean like, like you said it's very thinly veiled islamophobia xenophobia that kind of yeah, stuff anti-semitism if you're they like to pretend it's, it's a moral like, high ground but it's just it's it's, it's just grasping yeah. at straws to be a shitty person exactly and people fall for it all the time. Oh, yeah. Whether it's that, whether it's homonationalism and this, you know, pr having these super homophobic people promoting gay rights, quote unquote, when really it's just a, a ruse to try and keep foreigners out of the country. Like yeah. that um, thing that the Dutch government was doing a few years ago where prospective immigrants had to watch a video of like two men making out. And if they're repulsed by it, then that goes against their like application i didn't remotely hear about yeah this. and so what? everyone's like oh that's so great yeah fuck homophobia and it's like yeah it's a far-right party doing that and they're hope they're targeting muslims with this and people yeah. from like islamic countries and it's like it's funny because i <laughs> every muslim person i know is loving of every any accepting of everybody i know there's you know people from all over the place but it's like you know values change when they come to a new place and like not to say they're gonna come in with certain like it, it's just it's so like it's taking so-called cultural baggage and exploiting it where yes. it's just like, oh, cool, this is mo less of a norm where you're from. Yeah. We're really going to double or down on that to make before, you look shitty. It's never occurred to you that this happens because a lot of the times, if you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> well, it's just that it's very telling that they get mad at, let's face it, they get mad at people who aren't white from other countries, yeah. like you say, Muslim people, for stuff that happens in their backyard but you never hear them get mad about like white people committing homophobia mm -hmm. or rape or like any of these things that they project onto these moral panics about refugees and immigrants and all this bullshit yeah anyway well i'm going to use cannibalism. your phrasing of moral panic to swing us back yeah, onto the topic of the movie because yeah, uh, yes. these movies caused a huge moral panic when they came out these yes. uh italian cannibal movies um started with Deep River Savages, also known as Man from Deep River, also known as Sacrifice. This was Umberto Lenzi. It was taking the story of a man called Horse and taking changing it from North American indigenous mm. people to, you know, like the Amazonian cannibal kind of okay. thing. Like, but you so know, like, like same kind of colonialism, different hat sort of thing. Right. 
Um, and it went through sort of petered out around the time Cannibal Ferox came out, which I'd argue is probably the nastiest one to sit through, just about. Uh, but the king shit of these movies is Rogero Diodato's um, Cannibal Holocaust from 1980. And it was an experience watching this with you because this was like the most notoriously fucked up movie ever. I remember being completely shocked when I saw it for the first time, and you looked like you were going to fall asleep at some of the (laughs) stuff that was happening in this. Yeah, um, I think that's kind of the problem, is that I've been hyping it up in my mind for the better part of 10 years now, Mm -hmm. and um, so now that I've finally seen it, it was kind of like, oh, that that was it. And I mean, I've had this happen multiple times. Well, that was the same reaction to Solo, wasn't it? Yeah, and a Serbian film, and like... I'm sure it'll be for the other ones like that when I get around to seeing, mm-hmm. like, dumplings and yeah. various ones that I kind of, like, read about being notorious. Yeah. And then you actually... And I don't know. I, I, I think whatever you conjure up in your mind is always going to be worse than anything that they can actually put yeah. on screen. Or not always, but almost always. It is important to note that we watched the version mm. without the animal violence yes, in it. Yes, that was an option. Um, and we selected it. Yeah, on the Grindhouse releasing Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Uh it definitely would have been a different story if we watched the fully uncut Absolutely. one. Because, like you're saying right there, with um, it's usually what they put on screen isn't as bad as your imagination. Mm-hmm. Well, there's yeah. not really imagination going in in this stuff. The stuff they put on screen is usually not yeah. as bad as your imagination. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's not simulated. And even just, I'm just thinking of like the necromantic movies. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, the even just the in um, necromantic two that otter seal whatever the seal it is scene, yeah, the yeah. autopsy like that is so gross to watch and it's already dead yeah so that i found a lot more visceral so yeah i, th- I think it would have been a very different experience had yeah because we... i first saw this i did see the fully uncut one i was right. playing at a theater for halloween here uh i believe it was after i just turned 18 so this <laughs> is how i celebrated being able to go see extreme movies on my own mm-hmm. and uh uh fucked myself up by going like it was a midnight screening and we got there too early so instead we went to starbucks that was open very late and like they were just closing up and we grabbed a bunch of cheesecake and just wolfed (laughs) cheesecake got full on cheesecake and then went and watched cannibal holocaust and um i feel this movie still packs a punch for sure Mm -hmm. but uh i can appreciate when there's this sort of mythos and yeah. and sort of story around it. Like, that, that it was definitely hyped up for me. Like, I knew it was supposed to be, as the tagline goes, the one that goes all the way. Like, right. Uh, that kind of thing. But back when I saw it, I think the most extreme thing I'd seen up to that point was Fulci's The Beyond. Mm. Which, you know, is an extreme movie. It's plenty gross, but... It's not even in the that. same league <laughs> as, as this movie. Yeah. And so... Uh, even though it was hyped, it was one of those things where my hype came from looking at, like, GeoCities pages on the internet right. and not having access to it. Like, extreme cinema then wasn't what extreme cinema is now. Like, we didn't exactly. have the French New Extreme. We didn't have the torture, uh, porn. torture porn. We didn't have any of that stuff yeah. kind of percolating. Absolutely. Like, it wasn't in populist No, and it uh, hasn't avenues. even... And, yeah, and in, yeah, exactly. It hadn't, like, raised sort of the baseline of what is acceptable to show mm-hmm. even just on television now. Yep. Because, well, yeah, we talked about, like, like some of the stuff we've seen in Criminal Minds. Some, yeah. Some of the stuff in well, Hannibal was a big one. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff you see on, like, HBO shows. Right. And whatnot. So, yeah, it's just the, the bar has been raised so heavily for what's just, like, normal and acceptable mm-hmm. now that this doesn't seem like quite that many steps 
beyond yeah something that i could see on like prime time yeah on the right channel <laughs> yeah definitely Maybe, like a couple steps beyond not in a, but not as big of a gap as it would have been like when you saw it yeah yeah the, the gulf of, of difference wasn't there mm -hmm. like i remember when millennium was on the stink that came right. up about how graphic that show was yeah and yeah, it's fairly graphic, mm -hmm. but by today's standards, it would be nothing to... Um, yeah, I was going to say, but then, again, but, you know, compared to when I was growing up and we would watch, like, CSI over yeah. dinner, mm -hmm. there's nothing in, like, that show that wouldn't have been a millennium, and that yeah. was on at, like, well, yeah, at dinner time, at prime yeah, time, exactly. middle of the week, <laughs> one of the most yeah. popular shows on television at the time. Yeah, so... So, there's something to be said. That uh, said, don't think this makes Cannibal Holocaust a uh, total breeze no, either. No, 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 no. Um, Certainly not. <laughs> what you've got with this movie is we have an anthropology professor who is going off to this area of the jungle dubbed the Green Inferno. If that's familiar, Eli Roth made a movie, a cannibal movie called the Green Inferno. He, did, yeah. he definitely named it after this. Yes. Uh, I was looking up that term too. Started. Could I, was, I was wondering because I had heard of Eli Roth's movie, obviously, but then this being the first time I saw this movie. I was like, oh, Green Inferno, is that, like, is that a thing, or did they just make that up, and I could not find any history of that term? Um, I'm pretty sure that the phrase probably comes from Cannibal Holocaust, maybe, or, yeah. like, definitely, as far as Eli Roth movie's concerned, For that's sure. where it came from. But just, yeah, hearing it more than once, I, I wasn't sure if it had started with Cannibal Holocaust, or if that was, well, like, Well, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Green it. Inferno was the original title that he had right. planned, but then okay. before it came out, they went for the much more, um, uh, salacious title yes. of Cannibal Holocaust. Okay. Anyway, so we've got this anthropologist going into the, the jungle in search of this film documentary crew that went missing, and uh, they... They were, like, his students, too. Or, no, no, they were... They were students, but I think they were like journalism students or something. The documentary? Yeah. No, they were documentarians. Just oh, they, they were famous journalists. Okay, sorry. For some yeah. reason, I thought they were involved with the school, or they were students or something. But no, they were just well. -known. That's Green Inferno. They were just well-known young yeah. people. I haven't seen Green Inferno, yeah. so. I... <laughs> oh, okay. Um. Anyway, so they go off in search of this film crew, and along the way, all they find is devastation. They find like skeletons and. Uh, little clues here and there like yeah. oh, that's so-and-so's necklace that's so-and-so's like various you know that's a hat he was wearing yeah yeah and they come across uh some of the tribe that was being filmed for the documentary one of the tribes. and they absolutely hate and fear the white man and it's like whoa, whoa what's this about untouched by uh, civilization yet they have this guarded this conditioned fear and like yeah guardedness against yeah and eventually what they find out is that the documentary crew was eaten by uh, cannibals in the jungle as they find their body parts scattered around in all the film cans and their equipment. And so after some tense haggling that is predicated on by joining in on cannibalism, they manage to obtain the film reels and get back to New York to observe them. And what we get then is the rest of the movie is looking through the film footage that they found. And this is where we get another infamous aspect of this movie is that it kind of is a precursor or like a major early development in the found footage genre. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I know Blair Witch Project, um, in terms of that one, a lot of people point at Cannibal Holocaust as like, oh, tapes from people who went missing in the woods and this is what happened to them. That's the plot of Cannibal Holocaust mm -hmm. straight up. But and seeing the tapes themselves only part of the movie versus Blair Witch is the that's the it's the, 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 the entire thing, yeah. 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 So that's part of what makes this movie so extreme and interesting to watch is that it does that faux documentarian style mm -hmm. for a lot of it. 
and it tries to play itself up as genuine in a lot of ways. Is this one of the ones where the director actually had the actors go into hiding? And this is the one where yeah, he had the directors the, okay. go into hiding. Yeah, you should give a quick explanation. Yeah, in the contract <laughs> for the actors in the movie, he had them sign a contract saying they couldn't make public appearance for a year after it came out because he wanted to add to the mystery of they went missing and all and, that. And played up as this was a real documentary yeah. crew. And uh, that landed him in a bunch of hot water when uh, Deodato was drug off to court to face murder charges because people believed that it was... Uh, genuine snuff film yeah. <laughs> or genuine snuff footage. And so he had to, a pain in the ass trying to track down the actors that he made go into hiding, essentially, <laughs> just to prove that they weren't dead. Like, oh, they're alive, I swear. Um, <laughs> just need to find them. Yeah, he got off the charges for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the film was still banned in so many places for obscenity. And yeah, it's... My understanding, it's still not fully uncut in the UK, where mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, hubbub about it being a video nasty was because uh, the animal violence is still a big no-no. Of course. And there's lots of sexual violence in this. Yeah, this is not an easy yes. one to watch for the uh, sexual violence and the rape aspect, because mm-hmm. that does come up in some pretty egregious ways. Mm-hmm. But in terms of cannibalism... This one is so interesting. <laughs> In a really unexpected way. Like, I went in kind of, I think I knew sort of the, like, twisty premise mm-hmm. of what we find out. Are we spoiling it in this episode? I feel like we kind of have to to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, the, we, as they are going through the footage, they find out that, like, they being the anthropologist, or the anthropology professor, and the various people working to, like, restore this footage and compile it into something that they can presumably air on TV into this big spectacle... And um, they come to realize that a lot of the stuff that was caught on film was purposefully set up. You know, it's supposed to be this this documentary of just stuff that is happening, but it turns out that these students were, you know, raping women. They were setting housing on fire. They were, they took this, you know, that infamous shot of the woman just impaled from like her vagina out through her mouth with that wooden pull. The students did, or not the students, sorry, the, the film crew did that. No, well, what was supposed to happen is that's the woman they raped. And because it showed they were being watched. Oh. And so this is how she was punished for oh, being unclean. Oh, and here I thought, they, okay, I thought they did it. No, no, um, they, f- my understanding is they found her like that. Because of the big smile and on their face. Yeah, he, was like, I oh, think it was surprised. like, I think it was more fortuitous, like, oh, this is great for the movie oh, kind of okay. thing. At least that's how I read it. Okay, I read it as like, they did that shit, so. Because that seems like a very like European patriarchal puritanical thing that they're projecting onto. But I mean, we did see the punishment for adultery. And that was another thing that I I thought was kind of like projecting because I, I mean, not to say that that kind of those attitudes towards like adultery and various like sexual behaviors don't exist around the world. Oh, I I agree. It's adult uh, uh, projecting, but I mm -hmm. think it's projecting from the people that made cannibal Holocaust. That's what I mean. That's not like projecting with, in the movie. Yeah, no, I, that, that's that's one of the things that I think was projected. That, exactly. That's yeah. what I meant. Because, like, within yeah. the internal logic of the movie, mm-hmm. um, that was the tribe's yes. punishment. Yes, exactly. And that's but, why I feel like it's sort of yeah, a, for, uh, like right. a portend for what happens to the woman on the stake oh, okay. as being from mm-hmm. the tribe as well. Yeah. I mean, directly because yes. of the crimes that these yeah. white assholes committed. Yes. So these these savages, these two warring tribes that are uncontacted, that they went to go and try and capture this, you know, them brutalizing one another. 
it turns out that everything that was on camera, because we see it as it's setting up on camera, mm-hmm. they were they were going to cut this footage out, is them aggravating things, setting things off, doing things, and then filming it and saying, look what that other tribe did! They set their houses on fire! Because... Because, yeah, it's like the narrative of the warring tribes is there. Like, we do get the scenes where they walk up and see them clashing on the beach. Yeah. But then they decide to intervene by shooting at one of the tribes. And then Mm -hmm. they just proceed to brutalize the other tribe. And they decide, like, we're going to make a massacre and pretend it was the other tribe that did this. Yeah, it was completely unprovoked. This is just us as neutral anthropological observers Mm -hmm. watching nature take its course out in the wilderness of the Green Inferno. Yeah. So I thought that was that whole setup where that with that twist. Yeah. I thought that like that was just so. I mean, like I said, this is the one that I, I kind of I think I knew that going in. Yeah. But it was still like, had I not known that, I would have been like, what? Because, mm. like you said, it's kind of comment commentary on the whole mondo genre. Yeah. So it just seems so ahead of its time to be making that kind of critique. Yeah. Well, they they hint on it um, early in the movie, and I guess just before I get to the hint in the movie, uh, this whole thing was a comment by the director on the um, footage going on of, like, I believe it's the Red Brigade, or, like, the, the like, terrorist activity in Italy at the time. Oh, uh, okay. Um, he noticed his son watching this news footage and how it was so played up to show, like, this gruesome, as shocking stuff as possible. Spectacle. And um, so that's what this movie was a reaction to. Mm. Um, anyway, but early in the movie... This whole plot twist is hinted at in that they show the documentary team's previous film uh, right. called The Long Road to Hell. And it's a footage of war. Vietnam? No, I it's I believe it's in Africa in like oh, okay. where I don't remember if they say exactly, but it's like um, yeah. some Civil War stuff going on. Yeah. And there's like executions and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, yeah, it was all a put on. Like they say the... They staged it mm. to get the footage. And that's like an extra fucked up twist in the making of this movie in that all that footage was actually real. Yeah. That was genuine war footage right. that they made this documentary and said it was fake. And then they have this fake documentary that they said was real. It's 100% real. And so you get the mix of like what's real and what's fake. Combine yeah. that with the uh, animal violence that is genuinely real. Yeah. And that's kind of why this movie ran into all this, like, wait, what happened and what didn't, because... And real fake, at the end of the day, if it's what the people want to see, does it matter? Yeah. Because that's where you see the people who are like, no, we need to publish this footage, it's hard-hitting, like, who cares if it's been faked? And the anthropologist is like, well, we're going to watch through everything, and then we're going to see what you have to say about that. You get to watch What does the woman that works at the studio say? She says, like, people aren't happy unless you totally rape their senses. Yeah. And something like that, like really saying, like, we really need to show the most shocking, upsetting, fucked up. And he's like, okay, well, then I am going to show you the most shocking, upsetting, fucked up, which is the stuff that we'd be cutting out, Mm -hmm. which is them capturing this indigenous woman and taking turns gang raping her, and the only woman on the crew only being upset about it when her boyfriend goes to take his turn. Yeah, her big complaint is originally, like, it's a waste of film. We can't use this footage. And then her boyfriend goes to get his dick wet, and she's like, Oh, how can you do this? And he like yeah. wrestles her down in the mud. Like it's it's so fucking yeah, like, like absolutely ghouls these people. Yep. So you don't really feel too bad for them. You really when, don't. Uh, the tables yeah, are finally no, by the turned. Time, by the time you see their how they their end, how they met their ends, it's like yeah, nah. Yeah. Hope they taste it good. <laughs> and <laughs> fuck them. Uh, so e- fertilizer. Even then, with uh, 
that that's just more of the you hear the stories about this movie mm-hmm. and like how much is genuine and how much is fake. I remember reading at one point that they said for the scene when the dude gets his dick cut off that they bought a corpse from a medical morgue and used a real body for that which is like absolute bullshit yeah but it's one of those things that that was sort of bandied around as the story where it's like oh that part is they got a cadaver and there's a real dick the close-up is yeah yeah and it's one of those things where it's just like there's that like twinge of like given everything else in this movie <laughs> did they do that like did they really like, like there's they might have like it yeah. creates that reasonable doubt that's like well, yeah. maybe they did yeah and it's what how stories like that no matter how absurd actually manage to proliferate and yeah. function and then um there was that documentary that i've seen i haven't seen the whole thing but i've like been around when you were watching it i can't remember which video nasty one it is but where that um i think i think it's that professor who she's like heavily tattooed i don't know her name Oh, um... You know who I'm talking about, right? I think she was on... Oh, the the Video Nasties documentary, yeah. yeah. And she was talking about the way this movie circulated and how, you know, it was copies upon copies upon copies, like, made of different tapes, and they'd be watched over and over again, and they'd be so degraded that from yeah. what you could see through... From what you could see when you were watching it, it was almost like, you know, there, there was no... Like, oh, that's clearly an effect. Yep. It was like, oh my God, what am I seeing? Like, this this is real, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, on, and, like, a, like, a rental tape... VHS mm-hmm. from like an 80s movie kind yeah, of thing. Keep making copies Even the worst like... effects can look convincing yes. through the degradation quality. I will give them mega commendations on this movie mm-hmm. in how realistic the effects even work in pristine Blu-ray. That is true, yeah. Um, but it is one of those things that just imagine it being like some grotty snuff tape that yeah. you find like... And you have to say, so I shouldn't be watching this. Oh yeah. my god, what am I doing? Like... There's, so there's definitely a whole, like, mythological thing. And I can see how it built up and how just based on the technology mm-hmm. at the time and the way it was circulated, being banned and all these things and copies upon copies upon copies and video rentals that were watched so much, they were so degraded. It's, it's like, of course this is what happened. And it yeah. just worked out so well for it to build that mythology, I think, mm-hmm. that it was just kind of a perfect amalgamation of all of these factors that really kind of build up this this mythos yeah and um one thing i like about this movie that the other ones don't do at least not nearly as successfully from the cannibal cycle of italian films is it points the finger at the white people Mm -hmm. instead of the savage the so-called savages yeah i think that's like what is it the the closing line on this movie is uh i wonder who the real cannibals are yeah well even in the beginning when you have um the, the sort of narrator who's talking about cannibalism he's like yeah these pe- the you have cannibals in the world and they eat each other and he's describing all of these like b- behaviors and activities the entire time they're showing city footage taken yeah. in new york city and so they're describing these these actions that we in our minds are pro- you know projecting onto these indigenous tribes that are uncontacted in the middle of the jungle. Right. But what we're, the images are being fed on screen are all urban. The hustle and bustle of capitalism. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and the urban city in, in America. And like, I mean, New York city is sort of like the city. It's like the the urban jungle kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And urban jungle. There you go. So right from the beginning, it sets it up where it's like, yeah, who are the real cannibals? Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's that's I, I I really like that about it because, like I said, it just it seems so ahead of its time. Not to say you can't have critical media, for sure, from decades ago, but that that just seems like such a critique that I'd expect to see with the emergence of more like post-colonial and decolonial studies and readings right. of things. It's it's a because like you know social horror like uh, movies with strong commentary and stuff. They've well predated Cannibal mm-hmm. Holocaust, but. Not often in that particular avenue, like yeah, the colonial kind of thing. Too. And yeah, a movie 
that is so clearly trying to push your buttons with a title yeah. like Cannibal Holocaust. Like, this is definitely one of those things where it's like, they successfully had their cake and ate it too. Yeah. And like, gorged themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they get away with it. Yeah. So, no, that's, it's, yeah, when you stop and think about that, where, yeah, there's a contrast of like, it's, it is that like, pure exploitation kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most notorious ones at that. But at the same time, it has this level of self-awareness and yeah. critique that you just would not expect from a schlocky shocker movie. Yeah, and this one sort of came like right in the middle of the glut of mm-hmm. cannibal movies. I believe right. it was filmed in 79. So it wasn't the first, but mm-hmm. it the definitely wasn't the last either. Yeah, It is the most yeah. notorious, that's for sure. So. Um, so overall, did you like this one? Yeah, like it, like it was hard to watch at times, but overall... Yeah, just the way it plays with your expectations and with the genre itself, both the cannibal genre and just the mondo genre more broadly. And just, yeah, the way it calls into question, not just like who who are the real cannibals, but are this idea of cons- consuming the other. Yep. Where we, we, we're thinking about it in the literal, like cannibalizing their flesh. but are, And that's in there for sure. That, that is, is like such a strong focal point. But you also get this, this, I don't know, I, I see the people who are demanding to be able to put this out for the public consumption as spectacle. Yeah. That's pretty cannibalistic. Well, yeah, it's white people cannibalizing the indigenous other. Yeah, c- cannibalizing their image as they have created them themselves that is completely detached. Yeah, not just their image, but like the... The simulacrum the white of like the white gaze of... that has created this indigenous yeah. other that in no way rec- represents, or at least in no way honestly represents the actual human material reality of this group that they claim to be representing and capturing in, you know, unedited, uncut footage that is right. just raw, the rules of the jungle, mm-hmm. man-eat-man, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now, um, I agree. I This is one of those movies that I always thought, like, given the salaciousness and given the problematic content, because I do have a lot of problems with this movie. Absolutely. But... It's so much better than I would assume that that would oh, leave yeah, it. Like, <laughs> I, if you can stomach the strong stuff, I highly recommend this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but be be warned, you really need to be of a strong uh, fortitude for um, and in the right headspace. Yeah, I guess. Like I, I like you said, the, the sexual violence can be really hard to watch. Yeah. At, at that particular moment, I was. I found myself feeling very detached from it, yeah. and I was able to just kind of watch and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. But that's not always the case. Yeah, that is the thing. So, when you're going into a movie like this, that's yeah. kind of, you you sort of, you're almost guarded going into it because of yeah. its notoriety. Right. Whereas if it was one of those things where, you know, Friday the 13th, and then all of a sudden it has some graphic rape scene going yeah. on in the woods, you, you would be thrown. Because it's like, yeah, I'm watching yeah. a horror movie, one that came from exploitation roots, but what the fuck, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I, yeah, I can think of, even another movie popped into my mind where I didn't know that was in it. And yeah, having between it catching off guard and just the way they treated it in a really sort of like realistic way. It's like, I I found, you know, I I definitely felt kind of dead inside after. Which which movie? Uh, Into the Forest, Into the Woods. Oh, the one with um, Ellen Page and and, uh, Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that either. I mean, as soon as the guy shows up, you're like, oh no. You know what's going to happen. You're like, this is going to happen and you're filled with dread. But still, yeah. when it happens, it's just like, oh my god, that just punched me in the fucking yep. butt. So, and so that, that's I had a, much more a way touch. less explicit scene than what you get in these but movies. But it's, so yeah. it's so much more real and visceral because it's so much... Yeah, yeah it, it, that's something about it when it, they try to be so explicit with it. It has this unreality to it yeah. that's like, 
oh, like I know what this is supposed to be, but I, I can have that sense of detachment and distance yeah. from it versus a movie like, like uh, is it Into the Woods or Into the Forest? I know there are two different ones and, um, I, and I get them mixed up. Um, 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 <laughs> I've I'm only seen the one. I'm my neck over my shoulder at my shelf. Into the forest. Into the forest, into the forest. Okay. yeah. Yeah, Into the Forest. So Evan Rachel Wood is not Into the Woods. She's Into the Forest. Yes. Wood Forest. Okay. Anyway, go. in that one where it's so much more like minimalistic and it mm-hmm. focuses like on her reaction as it's happening kind of thing and it, it's not as explicit. That's what makes it, because there, there's so much more for you to be able to like project your own feelings and self and reactions onto and like so many more blanks to fill in. That's yes. what I think makes it that much more visceral and that much more like able to whether it's identify with it or just have a more, have a different kind of reaction to it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have that sense of unreality and like that super like just explicit. It's all up and happening in your face. Uh, not that I would ever like try and force you to watch this movie, <laughs> but if we ever get around to it, I will be interested to see what your take on Ice Spit on Your Grave is. I'm really, yeah, that's, a, that's another one that I'm like, that okay, is... I'm going to watch this one day. It kind of hits that notoriety like yeah. Cannibal Holocaust does, and you you know what's coming kind of thing, yeah. but it is so to the next level of extreme at the mm. same time that it's, like, yeah. I found that much more uncomfortable like to I, watch. I, I, than... like, like, irreversible, that one. Yes. It's very hard to watch, and it's, it's like, it's it, it, it kind of hits in the middle, because it's all there, it's all happening in one continuous shot, but at the same time, it's, it's not, you know, explicitly showing mm-hmm. everything. So it's definitely shown enough, though, that it's, shows, it, it can leave shows you yes. not doing so well after. Yeah, no, I, I felt I had a void in me after yeah. <laughs> I went to bed and just empty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Cannibal Holocaust, that's a recommendation from both of us. Yes. I'll throw in another um, little uh, addendum here and say, of the Cannibal films, personally, I feel like you can watch this one and just kind of skip the rest. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I've seen about four or five of them, and... This is the only one that I'm actually like excited to to talk about and show people and, in like, this way. Looking forward to revisiting. Yeah, or like I've watched a few of them a couple times because of uh, my obsession with the video nasties. Like I've seen Cannibal Ferox more times than I've ever really cared to. But um, yeah, if you're gonna start in on those, start with this one. And if you decide to end with this one, you're good. <laughs> yeah, because it'll probably only go downhill from here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's already starting pretty low, given yeah. the cannibal cycle is where you're yeah. starting at the low point, but yeah. it manages But this work. movie has a lot going for it. Does, it. yeah. Um, that makes it worthwhile. I think so. Yeah. If you, if you can handle it. Yeah, cool, cool, yeah. cool. Okay, well, moving right along, as we've just hit the same running time of our last episode, and we're only one movie in, um, we watched 1999's Ravenous. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a... First time watch? Yeah, the, the, this was another first-time watch yeah. for you, yeah. Um, what did you think of this one? It was interesting. It was, um... I, I enjoyed it overall. Did you know it was a dark comedy going into it? I can't remember if you mentioned that or not. I, I, I No, I think I remember you saying... I think I mentioned it at some point it, in there. Yeah, I think I remember you, you saying that it's a lot funnier than you would expect. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember if you actually used, like, dark comedy to describe yeah. it, so... I went in thinking that it was a, probably going to be a horror movie with, like, some comedic moments. Yeah. Or tones. Um, no, this one was really interesting because it, it brings out a sort of, like, mythology again about what the the cannibals and... Or what, what the cannibal does. Yeah. In this particular context, the, um, again, an indigenous sort of mythology 
Mm-hmm. Except this time it's not about a particular indigenous tribe so much as it's drawing on indigenous mythology. Yeah. About the Wendigo. The Wendigo. The Wendigo. Wendigo. Yeah. And um, I found this one, it followed the same sort of story that I would typically expect of like a vampire story. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. insofar as you have the... Um, you have the the dark mysterious one who initiates the unwilling into this dark world of darkness where and, mm-hmm. and the rest of it the sort of plot is this initiated person trying to fight the urge to fully succumb to this yeah. new identity and this new um way of being that involves consuming others in some way be it drinking their blood or killing in this case their eating their flesh yeah, yeah. and um yeah, just that that sort of moral dilemma and that internal struggle and whether or not they actually give in or they sacrifice themselves to so as to not give in. Yeah, that's sort of what you get in, like, um, Lost Boys and Near Dark <laughs> where uh, someone is recruited. I think recruited. you've been interviewed Vampire. Oh, okay, I haven't seen also, that one. It's been a while. But it's like someone is freshly recruited into yeah. vampiredom and they fight the urges. Like, they don't want to give in to their urges of well, drinking blood. Well, they have the, the, the you know, dark vampire daddy being like, no, give in, it's so much better. You're one of us, Michael. You're one of us. You can't, you can't, you can't just, you know, say no forever. You're going to have to give in. I like your John Waters version of a vampire dark daddy. <laughs> a vampire dark daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, because I grew up um, when, like, Tom Cruise was, like, kind of losing his marbles, jumping on Oprah's yeah. couch and shit. And so mm-hmm. hearing that he was a heartthrob, I was like, what the fuck? This, <laughs> this short guy? Like, he's weird as fuck. Like, why does anyone like him? And then I saw Interview with the Vampire, seeing mm. him, like, younger and more in his prime. And I was like, oh, I get it now, I think. Yeah. I feel weird. I feel funny. This it's reaction. Like, I feel like <laughs> I would have loved it if to to hit you over the head with a double feature that like get you to watch Interview with Vampire, then immediately follow with Top Gun, then yes. you'd be like, "So he's a gay icon." That's I. I yeah. I, I, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Until he lost his marbles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It it is so interesting seeing these different time jump kind of things mm-hmm. because like when I grew up. Um, Tom Cruise was like a lister, yeah, like the Scientology right. stuff was kind of pushed to the back. Yeah, no, I know. I, I came um, like I started knowing who he was sort of right when all the like Scientology protests yeah. started happening from the internet, like from 4chan back before it yeah. was uh, quite what it is now. Yeah, and it's same same kind of thing with like Johnny Depp. I remember Johnny yeah. Depp like growing up. It's like oh, that dude got a lot of respect oh, for being like. Depp. a... I, I didn't quite get that heartthrob thing, but oh, but did. it was one of those things <laughs> where it was just like. Oh yeah, this dude's a good actor. He does these crazy movies. That's cool. And then now you look at it it's like people introduce now. It's like oh, cancel man, uh, <laughs> Johnny Depp. It's not even that hot anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Abusive potato man. Yeah. No, there's definitely a difference between what was it like fourteen year old me that for some reason my religion teacher made us watch Chocolat. Oh okay, and, I never saw that one. Oh, it's 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 good. Um, I remember really enjoying it. Is yeah. it was this guy's religion Johnny Depp or something? Because it's wild. Okay, it, was it's... A, okay, it was a woman, so maybe. Okay. Maybe. Um, actually, I realized after the fact the reason that um, Carrie Ann Moss looks so familiar to me is because she's in that movie. Oh. Okay. So when I watched The Matrix, I was like, oh, "Who is this babe?" Hmm. And it's like, "Oh yeah, she's that really like bitchy mom." Chocolate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So very different reactions between fourteen-year-old me then yeah. and grown-up me who knows better yeah because yeah, i remember just having like uh 
fucking loving Sleepy Hollow. Mm. And now it's just like, oh, watching it now, it's just like, well, I'm so over Tim Burton and this dude's (laughs) here. Yeah, we just have like a trip. So I'm just like, I'm just going to sit here and think of Christina Ricci and Christopher Walken. Yes. That's where I'm going to go on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. So, uh, Ravenous. Ravenous. Um, You got vampire vibes from it. I did. Yeah, vampire story. And this is another one where they, I I thought it was um, interesting, I guess is the word I'll use for how the inclusion of indigeneity in it, where you have the Mm -hmm. indigenous characters who are just sort of like part because it's like a trading post or not trading post outlook it's, uh, an it, it's, a, it's a war it's a, it's a war up, yeah. military outpost military yeah. outpost that's it and so they, there are a couple of indigenous characters that they're like oh yeah they just kind of like came with the property like yeah. they, they indentured servant kind of relationship yeah. and um i love the little bromance going between um i can't remember his name but the the, the one guy and david arquette where they just smoke peyote all day with each other <laughs> yeah um but how the because it, it's, it's a brother and sister mm-hmm. and so the brother at one point um bring after hearing about some stuff that's happened he brings up the the wendigo myth and yep. explains like this is what this is what this is mm-hmm. and this is what we th- you know this is what i think is going on and um yeah because okay because but just before that what happens is we got this outpost in the middle of nowhere this disgraced um uh mexican war military guy is sent out there because uh he's been given a medal as a hero even though he's truly a coward or something and they like we can't execute you because you're a war hero but at the same time we're just sending you out to california yeah um they're at this outpost in the middle of fucking nowhere in the middle of the winter when this dude played by robert no robert carlisle that's the one uh shows up and tells a story about how his, like, Donner Party-style exhibition got stuck in the mountains and they resorted to eating each other. Yeah, they, they were they were led astray by this guide, this military man who is actually... Colonel Ives. Yeah, Colonel Ives, who said, oh, I know a shortcut so we can, like, you know, cut through whatever. It's winter, it's cold. So, like, okay, let's do it. And he takes them somewhere, like, in the fucking middle of nowhere in the woods. Yeah. They get trapped in this, like, cave and they have to resort to cannibalism. Yeah, Colonel Ives starts killing them off one by one and eating them. And this guy knows he's going to be next. So, so he, gets the fuck he boogies out of, out of there to yeah. go get help when mm. it's just him, Colonel Ives, and the woman mm. in the group. I can't remember her name. Mrs. Mrs. Someone. Yeah. Mrs. Rafferty. Her. Um, <laughs> her husband's already dead. He already yeah. ate him. So he knows that he's probably next, so he boogies out of there, goes to the outpost, and tells him about this, and that is what leads into the Wendigo story coming up, because, like, they know that cannibalism is hanging in the air. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and uh, just hearing how the Colonel Ives, upon eating these people, became so monstrous, and Mm -hmm. his his hunger grew and everything, the indigenous man's just like, yeah, Wendigo. Yeah. And uh, as they're, so, you know, it's, it's their job as, as military outpost men to go and try and do, like, a search and rescue party kind mm-hmm. of thing, see if this woman's still alive, see if anything can be recuperated and rescued. And so as they're going out on this expedition, it's, like, three days away, mm-hmm. three days journey away to this cave, um, weird shit starts happening with this uh The, the this drifter guy, man, yeah, drifter. yeah, he's copped to the fact that... Um, uh, they all partook of cannibalism at the they start. They would have died if they did. Yeah. So is that sort of cannibalism by necessity? So it's almost like you're seeing like um, that weirdness cropping up in this guy. Yeah. That that like this is what we're expecting this Colonel, Colonel Ives, Ives to guy. be like 
to the 10th degree, yeah. right? So it's just like, oh, this guy's already baddie. What the fuck's yeah. going to go down so when we you get have, there? Yeah, as they're traveling, he's doing this weird shit, and the indigenous guy's kind of pointing at him, being like, when to go? And it's like, okay, that's the first, one of the first red flags. So it's like, when do, you don't fuck around with Wendigo. So if this guy really believes this dude's a Wendigo, why is he just like pointing and laughing at him like a schoolyard kid teasing another kid being like, you're, you're a you Wendigo. You pee, you like that kind of, you know what I mean? Like, you you're ate a the flesh. Wendigo, you're a Wendigo. <laughs> Although I will say, I love the part when he's acting weird and that one dude starts screaming in the tent and then it's just like, what's going on? He's like, he was licking me. He was licking me. me. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> but... Yeah, can I can I spoil some stuff? Yeah, spoil away. Okay, so um, once it's revealed who the who the Wendigo indeed is, and kind of what happened, and that it, this is this was a, a plot, it was a trap essentially mm-hmm. to uh, trap these these military men. I loved that turn. The first yeah. time I saw it, and I didn't see it coming. Um, when it, they get there and realize that everyone's been eaten already, yeah. and that there's an extra this body there too. Dude has just like led them. To his, his lair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, yeah, it's like the indigenous man is one of the first dispatched. Yeah. He's just off. So it's like, okay, we, get, we, we, we got what we needed from you, which is this central mythology. The exposition. Bye. Mm-hmm. You're dead now. So, yeah, the, the sort of utilization of aspects of indigenous culture. And then once we got what we needed from him, he's gone. It's like, yeah, we don't need you anymore. So you're yep. dead. It's like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cute. Typical. <laughs> Typical. Yep. Um, but then, yeah, also just that weird reaction that's just like, okay, if he actually believed this guy was a Wendigo, I don't think he'd be like, ha, Wendigo. Like, he'd be, like, scared, you know? Yeah. Like, because he, he, more better than anyone knows what that means mm-hmm. and what the stakes are if somebody among them is a Wendigo. Yep. So... Yeah, that, that, that was a bit, a, a bit of that, like, okay, you're bringing in indigeneity here in a very different way, but you're still treating it in a very sort of, like, colonial gaze. Yep. Uh, very instrumental mm-hmm. to the the the, the white storyline. Let's use it for our plot. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So just wanted to mention that. No, I think that's an important point. Um, something that probably would have been lost on me the first time I saw this movie. Yeah, if, if I'd seen it. Yeah, before I ever encountered, basically before university, where I actually like encountered indigenous people and perspectives and stuff. Yeah. If I had just gone in seeing it. Without having that experience, it would have gone right over my head. You'd be like, oh, cool. That's a cool hook. Oh, wow. Wendigo. I've never heard of yeah. that before. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it does suffer from those trappings of the usual mm-hmm. kind of, like you've said. That said, uh, this is an odd duck of a movie. Like It, it is. <laughs> the, pl- the plot never goes where you expect it's going no, to go. It it's just like the movie's on track. It's like, okay, things are happening. Okay, okay. Oh, left turn. Oh, mm-hmm. doing another left turn. Oh, oh, oh. How many left turns can we do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's um quite funny. It is, yeah. Yeah, like there's a lot of laughs in this movie mm-hmm. for, uh, well, like I said, I, I look at it as more of a dark comedy than anything I can, I can else. see why. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't lack seriousness in the way that a comedy sometimes does, but yeah. it, it definitely has a a funniness, consistent funniness to it, mm-hmm. and to the, in the tone, I think. Okay, so that was uh, ravenous. Um, even though that one was pretty funny, we decided to take a turn from this potentially serious topic, and we watched a movie that you introduced me to, mm-hmm, which is yeah. a rare occasion. Yeah. <laughs> Right when we met, it is um, 2007's Cannibal Flesh Riot, which mm-hmm. I think I recommended in 
one of the previous episodes. You definitely did. Yeah. yeah. It's um, Grace Grimley made it was a Mad Creator Productions, I think was the company he started and was created it under. Right. It was a, it's a, it's a short, it's like 30, 35 minutes long. I think it was shot in like some people's backyards in California yeah. with like a, you know, thousand dollar budget mm-hmm. or something. Um, this is the one that I, it came onto my radar because one of my favorite bands did a song for the soundtrack. And then, um, one of the band members, Ronnie Sharon, he also did, uh, like the theme song for the little theme jingle for when the Mad Creator Productions, uh, logo comes on screen and stuff. So. Went away. <laughs> so there was a lot of collaboration happening there just in mm. general. And that, that's how this, uh, artist Grace Grimley kind of came onto my radar and so when they made this movie, he got a bunch of his band friends, including Stolen Babies, to uh, help put together like a soundtrack right. for it. And I really wanted the song Stolen Babies did. So I bought one of the, I don't know, I think they pressed like a thousand copies. Of, was it like an Indiegogo Kickstarter thing? It was or? before that started. I think, he, oh, okay. I think he already had it had them made and just like released it through his own website. Mm. Yeah, that was pre... Um, Definitely indie as hell. Yes, yeah. very, very indie. <laughs> Um, yeah, I made it however, you know, a thousand copies, whatever. And it, so if you bought it, you get the DVD, the soundtrack, a sticker, some stickers, stuff like that. So I, you know, got, I got the song that I wanted that I had access to that they have since redone a few times and have yeah. polished up. But anyway, um, and I was like, well, I bought this movie. Let's watch it. See what it's like. And it's so funny. It's, it's really it's, funny. It's charming. It's, it's, it's good fun. So this uh, is like the cheapest of the cheap as far as like low budget filmmaking goes. But it doesn't but like look it. It's in a very endearing way. It is, yeah. yeah. It's it's very stylized and they yeah. work within their limits incredibly. Yeah, you well. know you're watching a low budget thing, but it 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 plays it well. But it doesn't like, look cheap. Yeah. Like it yeah, it, it looks inexpensive, is yes, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, when you actually look at it, it's like, oh, because it's in black and white, so it's like they're clearly wearing stage makeup, that stage blood, but that's kind of the look they're going for too. They're going for that sort of like Victorian that, gothic, like yeah, but 1920s by way horror of like movie. 1950s drive-in kind yeah. of thing. So yeah, it's very stylized. If you know Gris Grimley's work, he has a like even if you just look it up, his drawings and stuff, he he's, he himself has a very stylized kind mm. of style. So this was fits right in with his oeuvre. Is that how you say that word? My French sucks. He's over. Oeuvre. Oeuvre. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, but yeah, we have, he introduces, he does a little introduction, one of those like, oh, hello, I didn't know, what are, what are you doing here by the fireplace? He doesn't actually do that, but <laughs> same kind of- The kind same of, kind of deal. Yeah, same energy. And uh, he does a quick introduction into, to give some context to the movie, that this movie is about ghouls. So it's not about vampires who drink blood. It's not mm-hmm. about zombies who are the reanimated dead. It is about ghouls yeah. who are living people that eat the dead. Which is funny because depending on where you go, ghouls are very much considered undead as well right. in certain folklore and certain. Um, well, they're, they're definitely seen as other. They're definitely they're, other. They're human. different, yeah. Yeah, and he goes through some some mythology, but then he points out that the modern day ghoul blends in with humanity and can just kind of go by unnoticed and unseen. Mm-hmm. The modern day ghoul being various serial killers and stuff of infamy that have yeah i love how they can go there. by unseen when one what did i say he's like bootleg bill mosley yeah. and the other guy <laughs> is like frankenstein's assistant igor but with mutton chops yeah kind yeah of yeah i know that yeah the, yeah because we have we have our we follow our two ghoul, ghouls at the graveyard at night uh stash and hub 
are there? Yeah, Stash mm. is like we pointed out almost like aspects of Dale Gribble by way of Bill Mosley. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, and Chop Top especially. And then yeah, the other guy's very Igor, yeah, <laughs> kind of character. The dim witted sidekick, almost. Yeah, yeah, who does all the heavy lifting, but who, yeah, d- definitely isn't as much there mentally. Yeah. And um, they're kind of tooling around the graveyard, having these great conversations with each other, just about stupid shit. Yeah. Then you have your confusing types, like relish. What the fuck is that? Okay, you got a pickle. It's not really a condiment because you can eat it plain. But then you have relish. Which is just pickle vomit. And now it's a condiment. It's so funny. Yeah, like the entire time they talk pretty much exclusively about food. Mm-hmm. About eating the dead. And it's like, well, you know, get after a few decades of, of flesh eating, it gets it gets a little old. You got to like spice it up. You got to learn how to cook. You got to learn how to use different spices, different marinades, different condiments. And the one guy's like what are you talking about? Like, flesh is delicious. He's like, well, no shit, man. But like, think if you add some like vinaigrette (laughs) or you blacken that, that liver. It's pretty funny. That's for sure. They they have quite the, the rapport between them that they play off of each other really Mm -hmm. well. And they go to find this guy's grave and, um, to dig up the body. And in the end, as they're hauling it away, the, the the dead and like the ground of the graveyard almost like comes to life it's like a giant corpse golem yeah yeah totally because um part of the movie is in like claymation yeah so that's how they get away with these with these effects (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's like reclaims them Mm -hmm. and it's like hey you keep robbing from us so we're gonna take from you and take you down to the to the grave Mm -hmm. so yeah it's a goofy goofy movie it's it's good fun it's endearing it's if you can, if you can get a, co- a copy, I know the like the trailers on YouTube. Mm, I think okay. and stuff like I when I was looking for the date of it to make sure that we had it right. Yeah, I saw they had the trailer. I think it was uploaded as recently as 2011 or something. Yeah. So I don't know if the whole movie itself is very accessible at this point, but if you ever get a chance to see it, it's 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 30 minutes of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, yeah, not not really like a strong um, thesis on. Uh, the moral dilemma of cannibalism yeah, no. but it's uh <laughs> it's it's like it plays like a comedy more than a horror to yeah me, but yeah but with whole, yeah. like horror themes yeah it's it's pure horror comedy kind yeah, of thing yeah, yeah. and it, it, um, it's great it has some like odes to sam raimi and like evil dead 2 yeah you, and just like to so many different aspects of like historical horror cinema yeah that, yeah it's, it's a great sort of mix of aspects of homage but still doing their own thing yeah it was a nice uh breather between like our (laughs) normal kind of stuff and then uh it was a good launching pad into our next movie yes yes Uh, we decided to cap this one off with a very recent movie we watched raw from 2016 yes thank you (laughs) (laughs) i forgot they're like oh grave Mm. no it's a french word this one along with candle flesh riot we'd both seen before yes what'd you think of this one Oh, I love it. It's, yeah. it's got, it's one of my probably favorite recent movies. Yeah. And I'd only seen it the one time, so it was really great re- revisiting it yeah. and kind of knowing where it was going this time and being able to pick up on things I didn't. Yeah. Last time since I didn't, wasn't being like, oh, that just happened. It's like, yeah. oh, I knew that was going to happen. So what else is happening? Yeah. It's, um, 
Give us a plot. Yeah, we have, um, we have, uh, I don't know, 19, 20-year-old girl who is going off to start her first semester at veterinary school, mm-hmm. where her sister, I think, is a year ahead of her. And so her parents are dropping her off, and um, it's revealed that she's been, like, a lifelong vegetarian. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. So she's, she's like, really loves animals, mm-hmm. and she's, she was probably a horse girl, and now she's becoming a vet instead of a cop. <laughs> I don't know, maybe French horse girls are different. Anyway, um... Very quickly, we learn that the first years are being initiated via, like, a week plus of just, like, the most ridiculous hazing Okay, okay. As I know I thought this the first time I saw it, but it was, like, definitely on my mind this time. It's, like, hazing is the stupidest fucking thing. Like, this is such a... It made me, like, I mean, I know hazing has been largely outlawed, but it still goes on, of course, and it's probably way worse in the States than it is here because there's a lot more of that, like, campus culture... Yeah. and stuff than there is here, be it around sports, around frats and sororities, etc. But yeah, no, it definitely made me grateful that I didn't go elsewhere for university and didn't have a chance to be you didn't like subsumed into that campus culture. Yeah, there's no like rushing of frats or joining no, sororities no. or um... definitely not. Like you know, I, I well, we, yeah, I went to the university at home, you know, in, in Edmonton, so I I lived at home. Yeah, and I, I didn't live on campus. I didn't really stay on campus when yeah. I didn't have class mm-hmm. unless it was to work on specifically to work on stuff or whatever. Right. So I didn't, yeah, I wasn't really involved in university life. Yeah. And while part of me is like, Oh, what, well, maybe you missed out on some stuff. It's like, if it was like this, fuck no, I didn't. So, I mean, yeah. Out. There's a lot of fun to be yeah. had with university life for sure. But yeah, more like, like clubs this kind of hazing no, bullshit. It's, it's just like, yeah, but uh, the, I would have been that Grinch. Yeah. I would have been just like, eat my entire ass. Exactly. I'm not doing it. So um, the sort of big twist happens when as part of the hazing, they all the first years are forced to um, ingest a like raw rabbit, rabbit liver. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this, so our, our girl, Justine, she's like, well, I can't. I'm a vegetarian. And they're like, well, you have to or you're going to be like an outcast like yeah. you know, be a social pariah so and she's, like, she's egged on by her older sister yes, who is like, already a student yeah here. she's like she's like yeah i did it i'm not a veg- like i'm not a vegetarian anymore mom dad don't know but fuck i you can't do this now they're all watching you like she's very much yeah egged on like you said so she does it and she's like okay fine and feels like absolutely disgusting about it but then she uh wakes up in the middle of the night covered in this like the what looks like the worst eczema you've ever seen mm-hmm. her skin is just red and like scaly and like she's because she's scratching herself in the dark like crazy yeah and uh the doctor when she goes to get checked out is like oh i think you think it's just food poisoning your body's having a reaction you know it'll you you dumb asses and your stupid hazing bullshit like seriously mm-hmm. um but all of a sudden she has cravings for meat yeah and um very quickly, this turns into cravings. She, we see her in the fridge at night going after raw meat. Mm-hmm. And this sort of uh, exposition scene is when her sister's finger gets cut off. Yeah. And she devours she it. She eats it like a chicken wing. She, yeah, yeah, she, exactly. And she's really hesitant at first, but then is just, like, div- totally into it. Just, like, slurping it up and biting yeah. it, nibbling into it. And so this, this is a sort of... But then her sister fucking wakes up. And gives her this, like, holy shit look. And she's just chowing down on her finger. And starts crying and stuff. And, um... But her sister covers for her. Yeah. And says the dog ate it. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, why would she cover for her? It's like, oh, because this happened to her, too. Mm-hmm. And so you get the sense it's like, the sister knew exactly what was going to happen. Egged her onto it without... Or egged Justine onto it without her knowing what was mm-hmm. going to happen to her. 
And it's just like, well, you're in it now. Welcome. Yeah. You have to eat people now. Yeah, I love how her complaint is like, did it have to be my finger? Yeah, yeah, that's the only thing about it. And so um, this one, it doesn't provide us any mythology, really. Yeah. Other than it's something about this family. Yeah. And the girls in it specifically, or the women in it. Um, it uses cannibal, the sort of, uh, yeah, the theme of cannibalism as it wraps it up in like a coming of age story and this sort of, yeah, com- coming into one's sexuality, adulthood, these various things that 19 to 20 year old new s- university students were thrust into this world of sex and You're saying 19 to 20, but you're just like 1920 and I'm just thinking like some lady born in 1920 so it's just like some like 96 86 year old (laughs) just shows up to campus is gonna be the life of the party yeah and so i think this time i um was more receptive to how i think the cannibalism and the eating and stuff like she definitely has that rejection of it and it's like no i'm not gonna do this Mm -hmm. and you get that well you have to or you'll be weak i you know like that egging on from the older person who initiated her into it but very much tied into sexuality and yep. this alien like feelings sort of like alienation from your own body from what is expected of you yeah because when she first eats like the rabbit kidney and then uh, goes to get her eczema that springs up overnight checked out it's um the doctor asks the usual like when was your last period are you on birth control and she, she reveals that she's a virgin yeah at this point yeah, and, um, oh, fuck, I'm trying to remember. There was one thing that I thought was so great where she, I think, I think it's right after the um, the car accident. Mm-hmm. Accident, in, quote, in scare quotes. I think she, 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 like, has a nightmare. She wakes up in her bed um, and is just, like, horrified at herself. And then she, like... So, uh, something happens where it, it, you have some scene involving a cannibalism, and then she walks out of her dorm, gets pulled, you know, gets covered in paint as part as part of this more hazing bullshit, and gets shoved into a closet. She's covered in blue paint, and they pick a guy with this random guy with yellow paint on him, shoves them both in the closet for seven minutes in heaven, and says, "Don't come out until you're both green." Yeah. And how? Yeah, she's thrust into this sexualized situation that she doesn't want to be a part of And of, of course, it. he just goes for it. Yeah, he's it. Like, like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, we'll go slow, it's fine. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just thought that was so great that she's having this, like, struggle within herself and her, what was her, her, becoming of her body, her, like, just functioning, and then it's immediately, like, this, in this parallel situation mm-hmm. with, where it's specifically sexuality as opposed to, like, potentially a metaphor for sexuality. Yeah. And yeah, just, I don't know, as somebody who was highly alienated from all of that as a teenager and still has residual aspects mm-hmm. of that it's like yeah that's that's some good shit well no it's not good shit it's relatable shit i don't mm. know <laughs> yeah no they do the parallels really mm. well in this movie um because she's always at a struggle with the cannibalism yeah. but then like you said like throughout there's the struggle with um sexuality like when she finally quote-unquote hooks up it's with a guy who is gay. And, and she knows he's gay. And he knows he's gay. Yeah, and, like, it comes to a head where, like, um, she's trying to... She's going, like, animalistic on him. And he's like, yeah. quit it. And and so finally she just she bites down onto her arm and is just gnawing it. You see the blood pouring out. Yeah. And she just is just, like, staring through the camera. Like, it's this amazing But scene. then after it's complicated in that um, 
he still seems distant, not wanting things to do do with her. And you know, she she's like sort of approaching it like um, almost like that typical like guy response kind of thing. Like, oh, you've deflowered a girl, and this is how you're gonna treat her. As she puts it, but then he's just like, no, I'm not. He's like, we shouldn't have done that. I'm gay. I'm gay. And I, I want to be that. And yeah, I'm like, not interested in this. Yeah, he's like, you shouldn't have fucked a gay guy. Like, we shouldn't have done that. Like, yeah, it's... and it's like this complication on mm-hmm. top of the... Already, like, weird, strained relationship to mm-hmm. sex and just that sexual awakening in general. So many times you have these metaphors for sexual awakening and once she gets a taste of it, she can't go back and yeah. whatever. In this case, she's very hesitant to engage with it. She... Is a very complicated relationship to it. Well, what the fuck? Like, what's with that song that she's dancing oh, to? God. Or, like, the lyrics, it's it's in French, but it's translated, and the lyrics are stuff like, um, I'm the blowjob queen, and, like, uh, like all this kind of stuff. And then the lyrics take a turn where it's just like, I want to fuck the dead. Yeah, all right, I fuck the dead. Yeah, yeah, I fuck the dead. And then don't give me 69, give me 666, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so funny. And it's but just yeah, like, she, she whoa. Goes, she goes from that sort of, like, alienation from it, and this really hesita- this hesitation, this... Um, feeling really ambiguous and like ambivalent about it to throwing herself into it f- mm-hmm. fully and yeah i don't know I, I guess i see you see i don't know from the experience of someone who was a teenage girl like i definitely had that ambivalence between it's something i want nothing to do with versus something that's like well everything makes it everything around me makes it seem like sex is everything sex is mm-hmm. like the whole point of existing. And, As if that ever goes away past the teenage Right, years. exactly, but you're just so much more aware of it because you're not, de- like, totally just desensitized to yep. it yet. So I totally appreciate that going from being like, oh, I, like, don't touch me to, like, I'm going to make out with this chick's boyfriend and when she says, hey, find someone else, I'm going to make out with her. <laughs> I love that <laughs> Like, bit. I never did any of this. I'm really thankful for that. But that, like, I guess thoughts and like impulses were there right at least like where it's like well i could do that but i'm not going to mm-hmm. but yeah no just that experience that that sort of back and forth between not wanting to engage and being really hesitant to just being like fuck it i'm here for like yeah yeah just that that kind of two extremes and not being able to find your place in it right but yeah that's rough that's um like like you i fucking love this movie i think it's fantastic it's and uh I highly, highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny, I actually sold a copy of this through my (laughs) online store, and then um, even though, you know, fast shipping person got the copy right away and all that, they gave me, like, a negative review, but it wasn't because of my selling, it's because of the movie that grossed them out so much. You were like, it's fucking disgusting, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Yeah, so it's just like, well, that's not my fucking problem. Yeah. You're happy with it? Like, I sold you the movie you wanted to buy. If you didn't like it, I didn't fucking make it. (laughs) I didn't make you buy it. But yeah, unlike that person, I will go ahead and recommend Raw. Absolutely. Watch it again and again. It is one of those movies that had some hype for being so shocking and all that stuff. I I don't quite get that part of it myself. I don't either, yeah. Like, I, people were talking about the finger scene. Yeah, like, like, oh, that Italy. just got me. People and fainted it's like, in the theater. And the it's finger like, scene was really? fine. It was the chomping into the raw chicken that oh, grossed yeah. me yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. a big old hunk of raw chicken. <laughs> oh, that was way worse than the finger scene. Yeah, that's harder to yeah. watch for me. But yeah, cannibalism. Mm, we have lots of different perspectives, lots of different takes. Yeah, I think the big takeaway is um, how symbolic it can be and just how if we expand it beyond eating flesh to consuming another consuming the other but consuming the other or just consuming another yeah whether that's like 
Because I guess there has to be some sense of familiarity for it to be cannibalism. Right, because it has um, to be of the same. Like they have that running cannibal flesh riot where yeah. it's just like, why do why do people make their, their food people? Like what are the California raisins about and all that kind of stuff? Well, that's not cannibalism because it has to eat your own kind. It's like, But isn't it funny that they make... To make it enticing, they make it resemble your own kind. Yeah. They make it resemble people that can sing and dance that you yeah. then eat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, because I, I didn't look over my notes here that I, that I took right before the episode started, but I have them up here now. I can make a couple of points to kind of summarize. A couple, couple uh, to, to wrap us out yeah, with? Yeah, okay. with cannibalism is consuming the other. Um, I have the, so you have the literal like consuming of the body. And, yep. and again, not just eating, but consuming it in various ways, whether it's through medicine mm. or um, one of the more disturbing things is, yeah, when it's bourgeois in that way, where it's done by like classy, classy people, it's not coded as cannibalism. Yeah. So the most recent example I can think of that was, uh, I want to say it was Sandra Bullock was on a talk show and it was revealed that she uses an anti-aging face cream and one of the ingredients in it is infant foreskin, human infant foreskin. From circumcised infants, and they were, and then they made it out like it was like, goo, like oh my god, I can't believe I just revealed that! Ha ha ha! They're like, oh my god! Like it was this goofy thing, and it's like, yo, that's what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, you're. I mean, you know, you're not. She's not eating it, but she's. It's being absorbed into her skin, and she's consuming yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's. But again, it's, it's super bourgeois. It's super, like, rich and fancy. So it doesn't get coded as cannibalism. It gets coded as, like, oh, wow, the price of beauty. Oh, eating human meat? Never. Rubbing human dick skin all over my face? Hell yeah. Babies? Oh, yeah. Yes, never going to age. Um, we talked about the consu- consumer ga- uh, consuming gaze, whether it's the mm-hmm. colonial gaze of the filmmakers themselves or of the people, the audience, wanting to see this footage regardless of... Whether it's authentic, whether it's real, whether it's staged, it's like, I want my spectacle. Which is what I fucking love about Cannibal Holocaust, because it's all of those at the same time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, it is not free from the criticisms of the uh, colonial filmmaker. Like, it definitely falls into that trap a lot, but... It's mm-hmm. also commenting almost on itself while yeah. it exists. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. So weird. It really doesn't do that. I still think it's a stupid expression to have your cake and eat it too, but yeah. it does. It's like the king shit of that. Yeah. Like it's the cake topper yeah. of that. <laughs> and then um, cons- consumption of like a fragmented, objectified other. So I'm thinking in, ter- in like advertisements and porn and various things where you're like, when you're objectifying somebody mm-hmm. and you're not viewing them as a human, as a whole entire human being you're seeing them as like an object to be used or to be consumed. It's kind of like with hardcore porn mags that it's just like close-ups of of vulva and it's just like, yeah, it's like, they're not, the person person is taken out of the, the person is removed from the equation. Yeah. Yeah. And to the point that they're, they're no, they're no longer seen as a person. They're seen as a means to an end Mm -hmm. as an object. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess my, my, my hot take I was thinking about was just, it's like, Sex is cannibalism. Oh, I like because it. Because I, I, I just remember when I took that um, sexualities course, the prof making a comment that kind of, I was like, oh, wow. And I like still think about it where it's like when we're in fat, like when you're fantasizing about someone, but also even when you're like engaging in a like sex act with someone, you're almost obliterating them. And in that moment, creating them into what you want them to be or what you need them to be to get off. And so you're like, so it, it's like, you know, this this lover I'm engaging with 
in this moment of you know of rapture of orgasm i'm using them as i as a means to my end kind of thing mm-hmm. i can't remember her exact wording it was a lot more eloquent than this i'm sure and made more sense but yeah it's, it's almost like we see it as this mutual act but really a lot of the times it seems at least and this is probably just like porn representations again and stuff but this idea that it's more like more like you're masturbating with someone else's body as opposed to like actually engaging in a mutual and even if it is like mutually reciprocal Mm -hmm. that still sounds so fucking lonely when you put it like that right yeah i know the the existential terror of humanity we are all alone (laughs) when we have our genitals rubbing up against each other (laughs) so yeah i was like sex is cannibalism man we're gonna go take another Uh. bong rip now (laughs) (laughs) um word (laughs) okay so that is the thesis of today's episode i guess the hot shit Well, these cannibal movies, they were they were fun. Yes. They were a treat. Uh, I, I like that we hit a good variety while mm-hmm. staying on top topic. Absolutely. Because we really kind of, like, covered the spectrum. You will yeah. notice that shockingly absent from this discussion was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Absent, um, really. Which was also absent from our exploitation episode. Yeah, because we planned to talk about it in this one, but then we're like, well, we have such, like, We had so much to talk m- about. to talk about by the time we got through the other ones, as yeah. evidenced by the length of this episode, yeah. that it's, like... <laughs> You know what? There's so much to be said about Texas Chainsaw that maybe it should just be its own thing at some point. Yeah. Or like, you know, like, we're not neglecting it because we don't like it or anything. No, it is a masterwork. Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if anything, um, when you were talking about, I do want to make a little comment mm-hmm. that I thought about it was um, earlier when you were talking about, like, look at these savages and how they kill these animals with no regard for their being and how that's made visible while our, um, like, you know, factory farming, right. slaughterhouses, all that stuff is, is rendered, like, invisible or at least behind yeah. the scenes for us. Texas Chainsaw brings that Oh, right it riffs on that, like, yeah. right at the start. And I hadn't made the... that connection before, but as soon as you said that, I was like, wait, but Texas Chainsaw is straight up, like, meat packing, meat slaughtering. Yeah, like, like... when they're driving um, with the hitchhiker, yeah. uh, they talk about how they use the new gun, the, like, the yeah. machinated, like, device My to, like, punch all. the best head cheese. And what is he? He's like, That's, that, that gun's no good, you know? Yeah. It don't do the job. You need a sledgehammer. And they're, like, yeah. all, like, shocked by this ghoulish dude. But you know they're not vegans. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're going to Texas barbecue country. Yep. So yeah, no, that just that making that sort of conspicuously absent uh, aspect of our everyday lives and diets yeah. and just like survival. Yeah. Making it present again in the room mm-hmm. and making you uncomfortable by confronting you with the reality which is funny because in texas chainsaw 2 there's like this big celebration of mm-hmm. meat and meat culture yeah, where yeah, he's yeah. winning all those awards what is it for his chili, chili yeah. and it's the kind of thing where everyone looks at him as some like doting almost grandfatherly type where yeah. it's just like oh there's grandpa making his great chili again yeah and what, what does he say he says like meat's meat and a man's gotta eat or something like that mm-hmm. was this this yeah, I think that was this one. <laughs> These movies sometimes <laughs> run together. But it's one of those things where it's like no one questions where the meat came from. Like, it's sanitized down to the point that, like, there is never a question that they're eating human meat. Mm-hmm. Until it's revealed mm-hmm. to us. I mean, what we know, but we're like, they wouldn't do that, would they? Yeah. Well, maybe they did. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. Look I think at we, that. Yeah, now I'm talking about that. I'm like, I think we can get another cannibalism episode. I'm just having all these things pop into my mind. That's like, we're, we're going to revisit this topic. I could definitely point, do another cannibalism episode. There's given so many different takes on it, which with, you wouldn't expect. Uh, well, with my recommendations, I'm yeah. struggling between yeah, I just three different one. movies. I just so. another yeah. like, couple as well. Okay, cool. Well, on that note, maybe we should move to those recommendations. Yes, yeah, I think I stopped uh, the first one last Okay, time. well, I'm going to recommend another video nasty that got banned along these slew of cannibal movies, but 
mostly on title alone. It doesn't actually have the same kind of... It's not the same kind of movie. I'm talking about 1980s Cannibal Apocalypse, um, which in Italian was called Apocalypse Domani, which is a joke because that means Apocalypse Tomorrow. So it's just like ripping (laughs) on Apocalypse now. Yeah. Um, But it's these uh, Vietnam vets come back after being rescued out in the jungle and they unfortunately had to result to eating some dead dude in the hole they were trapped in and then he's got the disease of cannibalism Mm, and then from this point on it's like it plays almost like a zombie movie but they're not zombies where like once someone cannibalizes someone or they get the taste for human flesh that person gets the taste for human flesh and it just moves down this chain of vampires yeah where it's like you drink my blood i'll drink yours yeah (laughs) but this one's got a great cult uh, cast to it it's got john saxon from uh most uh popularly uh, nightmare on elm street the nancy's dad mm. but he shows up in a ton of these movies um and it's also got um giovanni lombardo radice i think is his name um he is cult's italian actor uh you might know him from city of the living dead he's the dude who gets the drill through his head um <laughs> uh, yeah he shows up in a bunch of great italian movies and you know my love for italian schlock this fits there nice nicely mm-hmm. with those and your choice. 1980. Uh, my pick was also from 1980. It's called Motel Hell. Oh, classic, classic <laughs> yeah. movie. There's a lot of fun in that one. Um, I admit it's been a while since I've seen it. I've only seen it the one time. So I cannot give you quite the same level of detail in the plot mm-hmm. description that you did for, for your recommendation. All you really need to know is it takes all kind of critters to make Farmer Vincent's fritters. There you go. Yeah, I know it's it's, and I feel like I'm like mixing certain, like I'm thinking of things. I'm like, did that happen or was that like from something else? So I need to rewatch it, but it, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It has you know comedic elements to it for sure. It is a great pair up with Texas Chainsaw yes. Massacre too. They're both right. thematically similar in like how funny they are. Yeah, they both have amazing chainsaw fights. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, if you want a chainsaw yeah. fight, triple feature add Mandy and oh yes, you got it. Well, that that can be an episode, the chainsaw fight episode. <laughs> chainsaw duels, Thunderdome. Yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> but yeah, Motel Hell, it's it's fun. I, I'd I'd love to see see it again. Cool. Well, maybe we'll talk about it next time. Cool. Um, on that note, I guess, you know, I can tell y'all that maybe it'd be good to take it easy and keep it sleazy. Et bon appétit. You know.